Today I want to speak about, the title of the message is, Believe in God. And I want to talk about believing again, and I want to talk about God's kindness towards us, and His Father heart and nature towards us. And if you've got your Bible, I'd love you to turn to the Gospel. The Gospel of Mark is where we're focusing on right now. And in Mark chapter 11, Jesus speaks about a withered fig tree. And it's where we're going to push into in this particular sermon today right now. Let's start at chapter 11, verse 13. Welcome to all those who are online. Get your Bible and follow along with us. Matthew, Mark chapter 11, verse 13 says this, And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. In response, Jesus said, Let no one eat from you ever again, and his disciples heard it. Let's go down to verse 20. Now in the morning as he passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, who we know was one of the disciples, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, look, the fig tree which you have cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to him, have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. It goes on in verse 24 and says, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will what? Have them. In verse 25 it says this, And whatever you stand praying, and, and whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive them that your Father in heaven may also forgive you for your trespasses. That word trespass, think about trespassing, as in going somewhere or doing something you know isn't right, trespassing, that He will forgive you of your trespassing. Who knows we are connected to a God who is incredibly forgiving. There's no one more forgiving than God. He is the greatest forgiver of all time. He made a way, come on, through His Son, that every person who believes in His Son could spend eternity with the loving Father. That is an incredibly forgiving God. Come on, maybe just for the next two seconds at Freshwater Church, maybe we could just thank God out loud for His forgiveness for our lives. Come on, maybe this morning, come on. Just maybe you've had the best week or the worst week. Come on, let's just thank God. Let's just praise Him for a moment for His forgiveness towards us. And maybe you're here this morning at Freshwater Church and maybe you think that God hates you. He may not love everything you do. In fact, there's things in the Bible says that God hates. One of those things is God hates a proud look. What does that mean? Looking, you know, who do you think you are? It says God hates that. So you think if God hates that, that's not who He is. You know, and there's things that we can do that God hates, but at the end of the day, God loves you. Come on, God loves you. God might hate the sin, but He loves you. He loves you so much that He sent Jesus to die on the cross for you. And here He talks about this parable, and Jesus is talking about something very physical, a fig tree. And He speaks to this fig tree, he doesn't lay hands on it. He doesn't get out an axe. He just speaks to it and he curses the fig tree and it withers away. The next day, the disciples, they see the fig tree that Jesus has spoken to and they're shocked that it's withered away. And Jesus teaches them an important lesson. He starts off by saying, have faith in God. If you look into the Greek of this particular scripture, another, if you read the words and how it's written, what it, what another way of saying it is this, have the faith of God. Have the faith of God. Have faith in God. Have the faith of God. You know, when you think about God, do you think about God as someone who is small? 
Do you think about someone who is, is old and maybe lovely, but is sort of struggling to keep up with life? You know, you know like an old grandpa who's lovely, but don't ask him to navigate a mobile phone. <laughs> you know, you know how, how do you see God? And, and I believe as you read the Bible, you realize that God is powerful. The Bible says in Hebrews, it says that God spoke the earth into existence. In Romans, it says, if you want to know as God is real, just look out the window. <laughs> just look at creation. Everywhere you look, you can see the handprint of a magnificent creator. And people go, well, why is there so much bad stuff that happens in the world? I want to touch on that. But you've got to realize that in Genesis, the world it came into a brokenness through sin. This is, the world has been marred by sin. But even in its marred by sin, you can still see the hand and the, the workmanship of a wonderful creative God. Can I dare to say God, when you think about God, is the most creative person there is, God. He's creative. And the Bible says that you are made in the image of God. You know, I love being a part of a church, come on, that, that's got a, a measure of creativity. Come, I love seeing everyone's clothes this morning. You, you know, I, it was great when Taylor and I were traveling. You know what we noticed? There was lots of Africans in churches everywhere we went. And Africans know how to dress up for church. You, you know, one of the other things we love, we were in Rome. Yeah, come on, that's good. Um, <laughs> we were in Rome and they, we received the tithes and offerings. And apparently it's pretty common in, in Africa to do a dancing offering. Have you heard about this? Well, what happens is the, the stewards get the containers and they come down the front, hey, Kenna, and rather than just someone pass around the container, you have to do a dance of praise down to the front to give your offering. And the African music comes on and everyone's like this. And I went down the front, come on, Josh. Taylor, she stayed in her chair. No, no. I went on our behalf and I had to get some of those moves, you know, some of those... Some of those, some of those moves. <laughs> but you know, God has created, and, and, and we need to be able to, come on, express our worship and our thanksgiving to God with passion and enthusiasm. We need to be able to express those things. You know, some people, they really struggle in the praise and worship. You know, it's like, I love the preaching, I love the sermon, I love the people, but come on, come on, come on, come on, like this. And I've discovered if you're someone like that and your mind drifts in worship, can I give you something really simple to help you today? Okay, if I was with Peter, and we're going to get back to this scripture, if I was with Peter, and I was just picture it's Peter's birthday, but it's a special birthday, one that ends with a zero. He's on our staff here and we have a meeting. He comes to work on the day of his birthday. And so what we decide to do is we get the staff together and we say, we're going to have some speeches. We get all the staff together and we say, let's have some speeches here. Peter's there and so I think, you know what, Peter's been a great team player. I'm going to stand up. I'm going to say something nice about Peter. What am I going to do? I'm going to begin to think about the things that I think is awesome about Peter. I might say, you know one of the things, and I mean this, Peter has got a big heart. Peter loves, Peter is so genuine in his love for God and his love for people. Can I just say, we're just jumping. Peter, your love for God inspires me as a young man. It inspires me. Thank you. And your willingness to yield to the Holy Spirit in your life, I go, it's wonderful. It's sweet. It's beautiful. And I can see that in your heart. But you know, as I get up and talk about Peter, um, you know, depending on our story, tears might come to my eyes when I think about how, what an awesome friend Peter is. You know, and I begin to get emotional as I begin to think about the good things about who Peter is. And who knows, even if you're a nervous public speaker, time just flies because you're talking about your friend. Because I'm praising him in, in a public setting and talking about what I like about him.
When we praise God, you can think about what you're going to do next week. But a great way to start praising God is to think about the attributes of who God is that you're so thankful for. Begin to think about, I'm thankful, God, how you rescued me. I'm thankful, God, how in that time of great stress, you came through for me when, when I couldn't even see how you were going to do it. You came through, And you begin to, in your heart, in your emotions, you begin to think about who God is. And as you think about that, your whole being begins to praise and to worship God, right? And as you begin to do that, you'll find that time will begin to fly because you're connecting with God and beginning to honour Him. And the Bible says that God inhabits the praises of His people. It doesn't say that he inhabits the, the criticisms and complaints of his people. It says that he inhabits the praises of his people. So when you come to God and you start declaring the wonderful things of who God is, his power and his presence begins to become released in the atmosphere. And all of a sudden, time begins to fly in praise and worship. Who knows what I'm talking about? And all of a sudden, it goes quick. But to be someone today, come on, who would have faith in God or to have the faith of God. What would it look like for you to go to work this week and to think, I have the faith of God? Jesus was someone who had the faith of God. He carried that faith everywhere that he went and miracles began to take place. And Jesus begins to tell, teach us this principle of walking with God and he begins to talk about mountains being moved. The other time Jesus begins to talk about mountains being moved is in Matthew. And he talks about, in there, he talks about if you have faith the size of a mustard seed. And he talks about mountains will be able to be moved. If you have faith the size of a mustard seed. And so today at Freshwater Church, online is going to love this. And all the people sitting at the back. I brought a mustard seed to church. That's what's between my two fingers right now. Can you see it? Faith the size of a mustard seed. It talks about moving mountains. And I thought, well, maybe I've got bacterial size faith. <laughs> if a mustard seed can move a mountain. But you know what it tells me? If, I wonder what a mango seed worth of faith could do. <laughs> you begin to think about what's possible with God. And it talks about here, it says, Assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, a mountain talks about an obstacle, a hindrance, an insurmountable problem. I say to you, whoever speaks to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart. That word doubting in his heart talks about someone who's wavering. They're back and forth. I believe, I don't believe, I believe, I don't believe, I believe, I don't believe, I believe, I don't believe. Whoever doesn't doubt in his heart. You know, I know sometimes as a preacher, they're, they're, you know, there's a lot of pressure on Sunday. And sometimes you can go home and you go think, did I do a good job? Didn't I do a good job? And you know what I've learned to do? You just got to trust God. And you'll find in your workplace, come on, teachers, business people, you've just got to, come on, trust God. <laughs> trust Him. Believe in Him, hold on to Him, and trust His goodness towards you. And it says, not doubting, but believe that those things which He has says, so our language is so important, how we talk, what we talk about, the language, the, 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 the conversation of your lips should reflect the faith in your heart. And that doesn't mean you have to sort of be religious, praise God, praise God, praise God. But, but inside of you, whatever comes out of you, speaks about the faith that's in your heart. It speaks about it out of your life. Whatever you says will be done. He will have whatever he says. This is a principle of the kingdom. Therefore, in light of this, whatever you ask when you pray. You know, what are you asking God for today, Freshwater Church? What are you asking him for? What are you hoping for? What are you believing for? Come on, have you let the intensity of the world shut down your daring desire to believe God for greater things? 
You know, when it comes, come on, um, business, occupation, what is God, what call has God placed on your life? You know, I've found that as a young man, when you surrender to God, you know, I do a lot of um, conversations and speaking to people. And so one of the questions I ask them is this, who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? And most Christians, this is what they'll say to me. They'll say, Jesus is someone that I can run to when life's hard and difficult. And I can run to him. I can always run to Jesus. And that is a good answer. That is absolutely true. But you know what's a great answer? Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Right? Because when you talk about Lord, what you're talking about is you're talking about kingship. And when we surrender our lives to Jesus Christ, we step into his kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. Right? And we step into, come on, his authority, his lordship over our lives. And then we also realize that Jesus is our savior. Come on, he's come to save us from our sin. Come on, he's come to save us from us. He's our Lord and he's our savior. And he's our confidence of heaven. Jesus is my Lord and savior. And so I, I, I surrender my life to him. It's not like I believe in pizza, I believe in skateboarding. Oh yeah, I believe in Jesus. There's gotta be in your life a, a, a dying to yourself to say, Jesus, I'm gonna trust you with my future. The word of God says in Proverbs 3 verse five, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will direct your path. You see, it starts with trusting. It starts with not trusting in your own understanding, acknowledging Him and He will direct your path. Sometimes we want the direction right at the start, but you've got to get the principles first to see the direction. You know, I know we had our awards night here on Friday night for our Freshwater Christian College. And I want to just take a moment to thank, come on, all of our board members, church and college. Can we give them a big round of applause? Um, you know, it's Stephen, Mr. Stephen Island for all their work and Matthew Flegler and all the work that the boards do and many more. It's just fantastic to have a ministry as a church. Come on, this is so exciting to have a ministry of a church that's reaching hundreds of children and preparing them for their future. It's just wonderful to see the year 12 standing across the stage here receiving all their words. I know Seraphim's grandson, I think he got the most consistent in his grade. Wow, that's wonderful. It's great and exciting. And you know, when it comes to the, the Ducks, we have the Academic Excellence Award just due to when the Ducks is released and how the details work. But you know, often isn't it with the Ducks, just t tell me if I'm wrong, but in Freshwater, a girl always wins it. You know, it seems like a girl always wins it, which is wonderful. I love how smart girls are and it's, it's just amazing. And this year, a boy won that. Come on, I thought, good on you, buddy. That's, you know, you've done a fantastic job and seeing their thing. But, but you know, one of the great things is having all that talent, all that capacity, and just saying, God, what do you want me to do with my life? And going on an adventure with Jesus. Who here is on an adventure with Jesus? <laughs> you know, there's people that I just, just admire so much. One of those is a young man named Daniel Hook. And Daniel was a pilot's son. He lived in Cooktown. He lived there. He had a large family. And one of the things Daniel felt God put on his heart was to become a doctor. He really, from a young age, he felt, I need to become a doctor. Remember, he was in our youth group. And at once I preached this message about Samuel and the Bible. And Samuel was a young man and God started to speak to him, but Samuel didn't know the voice of God. And it took him some time to know the voice of God. You know, there might be young people here today and you think God's helping other people, God's working in other lives, but what about me? But you know what I wanna say? You just be like Samuel and stay faithful and you watch how God begins to guide you and direct your life. Just stay faithful. He might be already speaking to you, you just don't know it yet. And Daniel began to hand these messages and begin to believe God. And Daniel was relatively smart, but he wasn't, wasn't you know, he wasn't A plus, A plus. And so Daniel enrolled for university here and he wasn't able to get into the doctorate course. And so he had to do the science below that. And at times he passed, at times he failed. It took him so much longer to complete university than many others. 
But you know, I'm so thankful to say today that Daniel Hook in Townsville, Australia right now is a GP. He's a GP. He's a GP. He followed through and he finished it. He jumped on that board of God's purpose. I, I love talking to Jeff in Virginia who, who worked in IT and very well, doing great in Sydney very much. Thank you very much. And all of a sudden God said, I want you to go to Bali. <laughs> I want you to go to Indonesia and I want you to help people. Going on that God adventure with God is so wonderful when you begin to think about. And here this God, He says, you know, whatever you ask when you pray, Come on, what are you asking God for? What are you hoping for? What are you believing for on that God journey? Come on, don't let the intensity of the world shut down. Get into the oxygen of faith with God, of what's possible, what God can do. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. What are you hoping for? What are you desiring after? We can have ungodly desires, but we can have godly desires. And the Bible talks about how God will give us the desires of our heart. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Come on, I wanna see more healings as a pastor than I've ever seen before. Come on, the Bible says desire spiritual gifts. I wanna start to prophesy. What are you asking God for? Whatever you ask when you pray, believe and you will receive it. Learning how to receive is so important. I know on my car, I think I have one at the moment, but you know who remembers the old school really big antennas that used to go up on some of those cars on the front near the windscreen? I remember my granddad's car watching it as the car would start the antenna coming up. But you know, sometimes we can be great prayers, but it's so important to be a great receiver. A great receiver of who God is. In our life. God, I receive all that you have for me. You know, sometimes people struggle a lot with anxiety. That can be very real in our day and age. And they, so they go somewhere and they're battling all these thoughts of anxiety. You know what a great thing is to do? Begin to pray that as you've asked God to bring His boldness into your life, begin to see yourself going into social situations and being totally free. Begin to see yourself going to parties and being the last person to leave. Begin to see yourself at network business lunches, getting around, saying hi to everyone, shaking their hands, saying good day. Begin to see yourself because you've asked the Father... And the Bible says God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound mind. So you've asked the Father, it's coming to you. Begin to see yourself anxiety-free. The thing that caused you panic attacks, begin to see yourself through the power of God, beginning to rise above that emotion and stepping into faith. Begin to sit down and see yourself and you'll find that as you do that, if you've developed a lot of fear around your life, there'll be strongholds in your mind and you have to tear them down with the truth of what God has for you. But it's possible. It's wonderful. And here he goes on, Jesus talking here, and he talks about, and whenever you stand praying, and if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. Don't you love the heart of God? God wants to bring reconciliation and forgiveness in his kingdom. That your Father in heaven may also forgive you of your trespasses. It's so important in life. We talked about how God's creative, how God's powerful. But it's so important that when Jesus talks about what God is like, the main word that he uses is a father. And in John chapter 3.16, he tells us that God is a loving Father. In fact, it goes on to say that God so loved the world. God is a loving Father. You know, of all the titles and roles you have in your life, husband, father, plumber, you know, whatever those titles are, the very first title you get given in life is a son or a daughter. It's your first role in life to be a son or a daughter. Before you can speak, before you can walk, before you can do anything, you're a son or you're a daughter. Loved by your parents. 
In the same way, when you're born again, which at the end of the meeting, I'm going to give people an opportunity. When you're born again, your first role in the kingdom of God is to be a son or a daughter. To know that you are loved by a loving God. And there can be all sorts of challenges people have with their natural parents, connecting that with God and all those sort of things. But God can heal you all, all of that. Sometimes in a moment, sometimes over time. But God can heal you all of that and, and bring you into a place where you can trust a loving Father. How do you do that? It looks like things like this. You get home from work. Maybe you've had other things you've needed to do after work. And you lay on your bed and your mind begins to race. Who's been there? Thoughts, I've got to do this tomorrow. I've got this. I've got to help this staff member. I've got to do, I'm not talking about our staff. They're great. <laughs> but you have all these things that pop up in your mind and your emotions. And the Bible says, I believe it's in Peter. It says, cast your cares upon God for God cares for you. And what you do is, as you're laying there on your bed and on your pillow, you just begin to say, God, I give you all of my stress and I trust that you're a loving father. I, I hand it over to you. You see, the cross is a place of exchange. It's not just a positivity thing. The cross is a place of exchange where you exchange your sin, your fear, you exchange it for what God has for you. His love, His peace, His grace. And it's a positive exchange where transformation takes place in people's lives. But begin to know and to believe that God is a loving Father. And so in our lives, we need to have things. Come on. We need to be speaking to mountains. And sometimes it's just raw faith. Sometimes it's just believing the Word of God says this and I'm going to believe it. I know I was talking to John Mell, I was reading John Mellor's literature, who's I think one of the most inspiring healing evangelists seen in our time in Australia. And John was talking about how he read through the Bible and saw God as a healer. And he realized that one of God's names in the Old Testament is healer. And so some people say, well, healing's not for today. And John's response was, well, God would literally have to change who he is because the word says he is a healer. That's who he is. And so he began to grab a hold of that and say, I'm going to begin to believe God for miracles. Sometimes he felt really strong and really courageous and sometimes he didn't. But he said, all I know is the Word of God says, if you lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. And he said, whether I feel, he began to get raw faith and just say, I'm going to begin to believe God. And you know, in your life, whatever mountain might be coming against you, it might be a mountain for you personally or a mountain that you're pushing through for others and the people that you lead. Sometimes you just need to have raw faith to speak to those mountains and say, go into the sea enough's enough. I've had enough. I'm speaking to you right now. Go. And the Bible says with no doubting in your heart, just to believe that as you've done it, it's taken place. I'm going to bed now. I'm putting my head up. I'm putting, I'm not thinking about it anymore because I've spoken to it and it's moving. You know, one of the, the, the tricks and traps of the enemy, the devil, is the devil try and get you through two ways. The first way to try and get you through is temptation. That's how I would say but if he can't get you through temptation, what he'll do is he'll use accusation. And the Bible says that the enemy is an accuser. And so he'll accuse you, you know, you're no good, you can't make it. You and he'll just throw words of accusation against you all the time. But you have to know the Word of God enough in your life, which the Bible says is like a shield that deflects the fiery darts of the enemy and pushes them back. And so, you know, even for people, you know, with things like self-image, you know, a thought of accusation can just come to their mind. They can be beautiful, successful, wonderful, you know, for people. And it's like, you're ugly to girls. You're ugly and you're of no value. And it's just a complete accusation because the Bible says that you're fearfully and wonderfully made and you're made in the image of God and you have value, 
right? But you know, who knows girls can, and guys as well, but can go on a whole big detour in their life, come on, of sometimes getting into relationships with, with dodgy guys because their self-worth and their self-value is so low because they've let a lie get into their heart. And then the enemy has just used that lie and just slammed them. But you know what you have to do? You have to come out of agreement with the lies and get into the truth of God's Word for your life and hold on by faith to begin to believe it and to believe today that God is a wonderful, loving Father. You know, in the Bible, there's people like Joseph. Joseph had a dream from God. It was burning on the inside of his heart. He loved this dream that God had gave him. And then all of a sudden, Joseph got sold into slavery by his brothers, falsely accused of sexual assault, helped people in the prison who forgot about him, and then all of a sudden was promoted to the prime minister of a nation, the most influential nation at the time. Joseph had so many reasons to blame God and get mad at God, but somehow through it all, Joseph made a decision to just continue to trust God to continue to trust God. And through it all, God worked all things together for the good of those who love Him. He worked it together for good. And you know, I talked about it last week, but one of the most dangerous things you can do in life is to blame God. Always run to God, don't blame God. I was hearing the story of a pastor named Ashley who lives on the Sunshine Coast. And Ashley was in London and he was having a conversation with a bloke and he said, what do you do for work? And Ashley said, well, I'm a minister, I'm a pastor. And the guy said to him, do you ever have any doubts? And he said, so is the question that you're asking, if God's so good and loving, why does bad stuff happen in the world? Is that what you're asking? And the guy said, yeah, that's pretty much the question that I'm asking. And he said this, well, we're there in London. If there was an accident on the corner of Regent Street and Oxford Street, he was thinking about Monopoly. <laughs> there was an accident on those street corners. Would you blame the Prime Minister of London or would you blame the person who maybe was drunk or what, paying attention and rode through the red light. Who would you blame? Why would you blame the prime minister? And this guy began to cry. He said, you don't understand. My son had a car accident on the corner of Oxford Street and Regent Street. And for two weeks, I sat there while my son was in a coma and I told God that I hate him. Every single day, I told God that I hate him. And he said, I didn't remember it till this moment, till this conversation, that when my son came out of the coma, the first thing he said was, Thank God that I'm alive. Thank God that I'm alive. And I don't always understand why things happen, but I do know that I'm going to keep speaking to every mountain to move into the sea. And I'm going to keep trusting God's loving heart as a loving father, no matter what I go through, because God sees things through eternity and his character never changes. Never changes. Never changes. It's who he is all the time. Father, we thank you today for this wonderful Sunday morning. And we thank you, God. The, the focus of the message was to believe again, to have the faith of God, to cancel out unbelief in our minds and our hearts and to believe again, but out of a place of trusting the heart of our loving Father, to heal, to restore, to set free, And today, I know there'll be mountains in this room, significant mountains. And today, I trust that people will grab a hold of God's Word and speak it out by faith, trusting that God is good and that God is love. Yeah. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.